Anyway, if you missed out on, on our, your first-time guest here, Brandon Bactel is our lead pastor. He's an excellent, uh, gifted speaker. But I promise you, if you lean your ear in today and hear just not the words that are said, but listen closely, I think the Lord will have a word for both you and I this morning. Um, we've been in a series called Faithful. We just, a couple songs ago, uh, sang Great is Thy Faithfulness. And it's one of my all-time favorite hymns. And we think about the faithfulness of God. But we're, today, we're, we've been looking about the faithfulness of us to the Lord. And we've been in a series called Faithful, if you're new here or, or haven't been with us, but catch up quickly. We've been talking for six weeks now about faithfulness. Started off six weeks ago, faithful in all seasons. Did that for a couple weeks. Cody talked three weeks ago about faithful in our work. Uh, then we talked about faithful in our contributions. Brandon talked about that two weeks ago, that not just our things, that our resources are not really ours. They're the Lord's, and we are on, have them on loan. And last week, we talked about faithful parents. This week, we'll, talk, we'll continue that, talk about being faithful with their time. I've got this chair here because I had a vestibular attack yesterday, so um, I'm going to lean on this chair a little bit just for my balance. But I actually looked in the Bible for 12, and it came up with 12 people, and they're going to be displayed here. But I was curious, how many people in the Bible does the Lord identify through his holy word as faithful? And I found 12. <clears throat> There's Moses, David, Hezekiah, and Hananiah. Then there's Daniel, Judah, Timothy, Antiochus. Then there's Epaphras, Onanimus, Silvanus, and Antipas. So I thought that was neat, have coming up with 12 people that the Lord identifies for the verses that were given. But we know there's others. There's Paul. There's, you know, uh, Joseph, Shadrach. There's other men that are faithful. And today we're wondering how many men and women amongst us are faithful, particularly with our time. What if every morning you woke up and you had $86,400 deposited into your bank account? But the catch is, if you don't withdraw that money and invest it, you lose it. I don't know about you, but I would withdraw every dime and I would put it to good use. We all have such a bank account, and it's called time. We have 86,400 seconds that the Lord gives us each day. And like many of the older people, we think about cell phone plans. We had rollover minutes in our previous plans. There's no rollover minutes with the Lord. If you don't pull it out, withdraw it, and invest it, there's no drawing against tomorrow. If you fail to invest it, that time, as you all know, is gone. I'll start with the story about a faithful factory worker. And he would leave every morning from his home, and he would dilly-dop through the, through the downtown area and on his way to the factory for work. And every day when he'd do this, he would pass his jewelry store. It had a beautiful grandfather clock displayed. And every morning when he passed his clock, he would set his pocket watch to the time of that grandfather clock. But one of his duties at the factory, amongst others, was at 5 o'clock to blow the whistle to end the day of work. Well, one particular morning, he's walking by, doing his little routine through the downtown area, and he comes to the factory clock, the, fact, the jewelry store with the, the, with the uh, grandfather clock, excuse me, and the, fa- and the jewelry store owner is outside sweeping the porch. And so he asked the jewelry store owner, how does your grandfather clock, it's so beautiful, how does it keep such precious time? He goes, that's easy. Every day I set it at 5 o'clock when the factory horn blows off. So the message is, who are we setting our clock to? And people live by the clock because it's obviously important to us. And Benjamin Franklin coins it this way. Do not squander time, for it is the stuff life is made of. And there's a lot of frustrated people, particularly in America, as they habitually would get up late because they... Maybe stayed up late the night before watching whatever or doing whatever. And they hit the snooze, they hit the snooze, they hit the snooze. And they get up frantically rushing to work with no time for relational capacity in their life with people that they live with. You may see people driving to work and they're putting makeup on or 
they're brushing their hair, and they maybe put a razor blade to their face, all because time manages them, and they don't manage time, and they don't do it very well. Reminds me of a dad joke, says, what do you call a uh, tense clock? It's one that's all wound up. <laughs> or what did the second hand say to the hour hand that it passed by? Hey, I'll see you in a minute. But that's unfortunately how we lived our life. But if I look at the Bible, as I read the Bible, as you do, I don't see Jesus ever being in a hurry. He had, he had time to smell the roses, if you will. Look at the lilies of the field and the flowers and how they grow. He had time to put his hands on children and bless them. Yet he had the most important job in the history of mankind. He was coming to redeem the world. But he wasn't in a hurry doing it. And he only had a few years to do it. Time was his friend. The Bible gives us insight how time can be our friend rather than our enemy. Because God doesn't wear a Rolex. He doesn't have a digital calendar. Though our Lord is not bound by time nor space. He's the creator of time. He's greater than time. So our first step in making time our ally as opposed to our enemy is to immerse our life in the Lord. If you look at the Bible in Psalms 90 verse 10, the second part of that verse says, Yet the span, it's talking about life, yet the span of life is but toil and trouble. Yet they are soon gone and we fly away, which means we disappear. <clears throat> We're soon gone. They quickly pass. James 4.14 would coin it this way. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Yet you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Another translation will say a puff of smoke. Another translation will go a vapor. Luke 10, 38. <clears throat> Through 42. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha came, welcomed him into their home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his every word, but Martha was distracted. Another translation may say preoccupied. She was worried. She was anxious with all her preparations, and she came up to him, meaning Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried. You are troubled. You're distracted. You're upset. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen the good stuff. Mary has made the right choice, which shall not be taken away from her. And I just, as we go through this, we're going to talk about how Mary knew that time was a, a treasure. So I got a little acrostic there, time. The first T in time there is, is the T is treasure. Mark 8, 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? To lose his life. Luke 12, 34 will say, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not just your heart, the desires of your heart. And then Moses would coin it this way in Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days so we may get or gain a heart of wisdom. Because we all number our days. Some of us don't admit how old we are, but our days are numbered and they're so pre precious to us. How do you realize the value of a year? Well, ask a student who may have to have repeated a grade. What about the value of a month? Ask a mother who gave birth prematurely a month early to a newborn baby. What about the value of an hour? Ask the businessman whose flight was delayed and he missed the business meeting, an opportunity to earn money and bless others? Or what about the value of a second even? Ask the person who nearly missed a head-on collision. Yeah. Or even a millisecond. 
That's the Olympic swimmer who failed to qualify for six-tenths of a second. Time is precious. The expression, you ever heard the expression, time is money? Well, we know that's, that's not true because money can, is far less important than time. Money, you can make more money. It may be hard, maybe difficult, but you can make more money, but you cannot, as you well know, make more time. A.W. Tozer coined it this way, time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or even give it up. You cannot hoard it up or save it for rainy days. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that time has no resurrection. Pink Floyd had a song in 1974, that, your laughter, Pink Floyd, yeah, that basically says, the gist of that is each passing year, time goes by pretty fast. If you're young, a year is a long, long time. But as I well realize, the older I get, the faster those years go by. So in a way, time is relative. And that's the sentiment of that song in 1974. Um, City Stickers came out in 1991. And City Stickers is a movie. If you haven't ever seen it, it's about three men who uh, lived in the city, hustle and bustle of life. And they decided... We need to be able to settle down. We need to be able to get a handle on our time. So they went off to this cattle ranch, and they had this girl, guy named Curly who was this old, tough. You know, he's going to drive the cow drive. The cow drive was going to be this guy named Curly, old, tough guy. He said these city slickers. And the guy named Mitch from the city slickers was uh, played by Billy Crystal. And he's talking to Billy Crystal, this old guy named Curly. He says, you city folk, you worry a lot. You don't get it. You spend 50 weeks a year tying, ropes in your, tying knots in your rope. You come up here trying to untangle them. You don't get it. And then Curly starts to ride off, and then before he does, he says, there's just one thing, one secret to life, just one thing. And he starts to ride off, and Billy Crystal, the character, Mitch says, what is it? And that's the secret, what is the one thing? Well, Martha and Mary in that story, that's what Jesus was telling Martha. It's exactly the thing he's trying to tell us today. That one thing is time, because that's the one thing we cannot control and that's the one thing that really matters. So we need to learn to, as we treasure our time, we need to learn how to invest our time. So whether you're at Edgewood, listen to this video, or you're at home, or you're here live, we need to know about investing our time. And Esther did it very well. In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise up from Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will, be, will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. If you don't know that story, it's a wonderful story. Esther had risen to the level of queen, and she's trying to save Mordecai and, and her Jewish nation. And she fasted, but her, she risked her own life in the presence of the king to ask for certain things. And we need to be able to risk. I've, I've, we've also heard coins of phrases like, let's buy more time, let's find time, let's save time, let's make time. Can you actually um, buy more time? What marketplace can I go to to buy more time? Can I find time? Can I find it here under the chair? Can you look under your chair? Is it in the closet? Where are you going to go to find more time? Can you make time? Can somebody whip a recipe out in the kitchen and make more time at a carpenter in a carpet shop, get tools to make more time? Yet we say foolish things like that. Or I need to save time. Where in the world would I save time? Time's more valuable than money, as we've already said. But they're similar because just like money, we can spend it. We can spend our time. And just like money, we can invest our time. But if you don't use your time, you will lose it. 
The late Billy Graham said at a commencement ceremony at his college, Wheaton College, he said it this way, time is the capital that God has given us to invest. People are the stocks. We are to invest our time, whether they are blue chips or penny stocks or even junk bonds. But where you invest your time really reveals what's important to you. And Brandon, back to our pastor, for those who are members here or regular attendees, you've heard him say, if I were to look at your checkbook, I can tell what's important to you. Just like that analogy, if I were to see where you spend your time, we could tell what's important to you. There are 168 hours in a week. Researchers say 56 of those are spent um, sleeping. 24 of those are spent eating or personal hygiene. And 50, though, 50 hours are spent either at work or driving to work. That would leave, if you did the math, 35 hours left over of discretionary time, margin, if you will, in your schedule. And if I or another were to follow you around during those five hours for 10 days or so, we'd find out real quick what was important to you. You may not like it. Uh, you may not agree with it. But for some of you, it might be surfing the Internet. For others of you, it might be watching television. I did a little research, and I'll show you the first three, but I won't show you all of them, but just for the interest of time. Facebook, it's pop up. You'll see that on Facebook, there's 2.2 billion users of Facebook that are active, and they use that app 58 minutes a day on average. YouTube, as you'll see, all their members, 40 minutes a day on average is YouTube members. Instagram, 53 minutes. I'll fly through some more WhatsApp. I don't know what that is, but 28 minutes. Twitter, I've heard of Twitter, but it's only a minute a day people get on that. Snapchat's over 49 minutes a day. LinkedIn, less than a minute a day. Pinterest, 14 plus minutes a day. TikTok, 52 minutes a day. And then the big ones, television, three hours and 19 minutes a day. In addition to that is live streaming for two hours and 19 minutes. You total that up, that's 10 hours and 34 minutes a day that we are doing those things. And I looked at another research, ABC News, just in, back in December, would say it's 11 hours and 54 minutes, more, about an hour and a half more than what I just said, 11 hours, 54 minutes a day that people are connected to some sort of media, a television, a smartphone, gaming. And they'll also say in that research that some of that may be simultaneous, so it might be a little bit, um, you know, bloated. But according to Rutgers University, Many people in this audience, many people listening today are abuse, substance abuse users because according to their definition, millions of Americans fit the criteria for substance abuse as defined by the official psychiatric manual. manual. My last stat I'll share with you today because I don't want to bore you with that is it's very disturbing to me to know that as a child enter, uh, ends its elementary years, that, that child will have seen 8,000 murders on some fort, sort of media. When a child reaches the age of 18, that they'll have seen 40,000 murders and over additional 200,000 acts of violence. Where are we spending our time? Have you ever heard the excuse quality time? And that's exactly what I think it is. It is an excuse for people who don't spend time, intentional time, with people that they love. Because what's quality time? Is this second? The one before it? Maybe this second? Which one of those had more quality? It would be like me having a wrinkled up, maybe even torn $100 bill. And you say, I don't want that. It's bad quality. Give me a crisp $5 bill instead. And I would say to you, hello, wake up. What is time? Because the discretionary time that we all have, we need to be using 
to honor the Lord and also investing that time into our relationships. Because when time decreases, our anxiety will increase. Our relationships will suffer. And the difference between margin and having and marginless, let me tell you a little bit about that for a second. Margin is not going from one meeting to the next with no space in between. Margin is the space between your load and your limit. But my fear is that many people have a bigger load than their limit. And hopefully your load is not heavier than your limit. Because if it is, then you have no margin for error in your life. Marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor because you're 20 minutes late to the hairdresser because you're 10 minutes late dropping your kids off at school because something happened and interrupted your perfectly planned out day. There is no room for margin. Margin is having breath at the top of the staircase. Margin is having money left over at the end of the month. Margin is having sanity at the end of each day. Marginless is not having time to read, finish reading the book that you started on stress. Margin is having time to read that book twice. Because you'll never hear anybody say, I wish I spent on their deathbed in particular, that I wish I spent more time watching Netflix, or I wish I spent more time at work. There's two types of people, and, and hear this, there's two types of people really that the devil's trying to get to. People over here, the devil really wants to make really bad, and there's probably not any really bad people in here, but really bad people, they're rebelling against the Lord, actively rebelling against the Lord. But over on this side, we've got people that are busy, and they're also rebelling against the Lord because they don't have time. They're passively rebelling against the Lord. And the devil's got you, whether you're on this side or that side, right where he wants you. You're useless to the kingdom. In order for us to obtain margin, we must learn to manage our time. And that's the next part of this acrostic. Brand, uh, a time management expert was teaching a seminar at a business and I actually did this for the youth. Some of you may remember, Ava may remember that. Haley, I don't know if you were there, but last fall I did this for the youth. But, so you just have to picture it. But let's say you had a, a big old jug. It was see-through. It was open on the top. And this speaker came and he put five or six large rocks. And he asked the audience, is this full? And most everybody said, yes, it's full. Thinking you can't get another big rock in it. But then he picked up a, a tub and he poured pebbles and smaller rocks. They trickled over the larger rocks and filled up this container. And then he asked the audience again, is it full? And no one dared say anything. And then he took some fine sand, he poured them over the large rocks and the smaller rocks, and they trickled in. And he asked the audience again, is it full? And again, silence. So then he took some water, and he filled up the pitcher. The water trickled over the sand and the small rocks and the large rocks. And then he asked again, is it full? And then there were some braver people, and they said, yes, we agree it's full. He said, okay, it's full. What's the lesson of this story? And everybody, a bunch of people said, hey, we can always fit more things in if we just push it through. <laughs> and that's not it at all. They've missed the boat. As you hopefully well know, if we're not intentional with the big things in our life, we'll have no room for them because we don't have margin. We don't manage our schedule. The Bible uses another word. Instead of manage your time, it talks about redeeming your time. If you look in Ephesians Chapter 5, verse 14, Paul writes, For anything that becomes visible in light, therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
Look carefully then how you would walk, not as unwise, but as wise. When it says walk there, it's, it's talking about walking circumstantially, circumspectly, which means watching, walking as a watchful person, walking vigilantly looking about and make use of the time, which is talking about redeeming time because the days are evil. Colossians 4 would say it another way. Paul's still writing me. Paul talks about praying for opportunities for me to share the good news of Christ. Make the best use of time is what he's saying. If I ask you football fans in here, what's your favorite football player? I'd get a lot of, particularly running back, I'd get a lot of names. And there's a bunch of great ones that have played the game. But I would say Barry Sanders because Barry Sanders is not the strongest. He's not the fastest. He's certainly not the biggest. But he was an exceptional running back. Because if you don't know anything about football, holes will open and they'll close. And it's just like life opportunities. They open and they close. But Barry Sanders was an excellent running back, a Hall of Famer, because he'd stick in his foot in the ground without hesitation. He'd get north and he'd attack that hole. And that's really what Paul is saying here, to walk upright, look out, be vigilant, take the best use of time and invest your opportunities. Dart through the holes that, that God opens up. And when you do that, you're reclaiming time, not just, not just living through time. Some people would complain that they don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. Well, you have the same amount of time that everybody else has. I've, I coached for 30-plus years, and some of the teams I had were less talented than the teams we played. And the only way for me to close that gap is to be outstanding with our time management. We'd get more out of minutes than our opponents would. We'd close that gap. And if we learn to manage our time and manage it well, we will have more margin. And one of the things we need to do is turn the off button on to our devices because we're more accessible now than we've ever been, but yet we don't know where that off button is because we're afraid what others will think or we're afraid we'll miss out on something. We're afraid that our kids may miss out on something. But there's always somewhere else to be. There's always something else to do if we don't manage our time. We have to make relationships a priority. And there's that two-letter word that we need to be good at saying, and that's no. I've got a brother that I, in my journey group that has his own business, and he's shared with me recently that he's, he's always had these opportunities, but he, he needs to learn how to say no, and he's aware of that. And when, when you say no and have more margin to those big rocks in your life, your wife, your kids, and, and have good balance, because we could always be a better employee, we could always be a better husband or father, but we'd not have good balance in the others. So we need to know what our big rocks are, put them in that tub first, and manage our time well. We could talk about how time will give you peace, how time will give you better health. <clears throat> but two other things that time will do, it also make your relationship stronger. Because the collapse of the American family is because of this. We're not intentional with our time. Fathers and mothers are not intentional with our time. We don't sit and talk. We don't comfort one another very well. We don't enjoy one another's company because of all these distractions that we talked about research before. But one of the biggest things that we could do is time, if we use it to our advantage, is be useful in ministry to the Lord. If we're not walking about life, you know, in overload, in survival mode, because sometimes God will tap us on the shoulder and he'll say, hey, I want you to do this for me. And sometimes our first response is, oh, no, not another thing. I don't have time for this because time manages us and we don't manage time. And when we do that, we tend to resent the very golden opportunities that God's trying to provide for us because we don't 
realize the value of time. So don't live your life on overload. Build a buffer around your schedule and learn to manage your time well. Enjoy the benefits that God would have for you with time because it allows us to invest, but it also allows us to encourage. And that's the final point today. And whether, whether you're, again, offline or in Edgewood or here, look at, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And Paul writes, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Encourage one another. I'm about to encourage you, but we, you need to be about encouraging one another. And what does encourage, encourage means? Exhort. Encourage means comfort, to edify. So you and I need to be edifying, comforting, encouraging one another. Three verses later in, in uh, verse 14, <clears throat> it says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Admonish, what does that mean? Warn is a good word. You ever seen a hairdryer? It says, it's got a little warning table on it, lab, uh, label on it. It says, don't use this in the shower. It's like, it's, it's, it's for people who are not very wise, obviously. And that's us. This is a warning label. Lawyers have those things all around our society. But this is Paul warning. I'm admonishing the idle. I'm warning. What's idle? That's the unruly. It's the lazy. Are you lazy today? Am I lazy today? Are we not about using our time for the Lord's business Paul is warning us with a sense of urgency. Don't be lazy. Don't be unruly. And, and the verse says, encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Who's faint-hearted? What does that mean? Maybe discouraged? If somebody you know that's discouraged, encourage them. If it could mean timid. If they're timid, they lack boldness and courage to speak the word of the Lord to maybe someone they work with. Come alongside them and encourage the timid. Encourage the faint-hearted. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says it this way, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds or love and good works. Let's pause on that stir up for a minute. Stir up means to encourage. Stir up means to stimulate. Are you stimulated to love and good deeds? I could change that word to stir up, to spur. Learn how to spur one another on. I've never been a horse, but I've sat on a horse and I've kicked a horse with spurs. And I imagine it's not very comforting, but I'm trying to move that animal. God wants to move you, to spur you to love and good deeds. A couple other words for that be provoke. Almost like, you know, provoke me? Provoke you to love and good deeds, to motivate you, to excite you to love and good deeds. Then not neglecting to meet together. Don't abandon meeting together. Don't forsake. Don't give up meeting together. As is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more you see the day of perching. Jeremy Taylor coins it this way. God had given to man a short time here upon earth, and yet upon this short time, eternity depends. That's pretty well said right there. So turn to your neighbor, if you will, and say, you don't, have to, you don't have very long to live. Tell them. Elbow, you don't have long to live. Especially you older folks. Time to treasure. Time to invest. Time to manage. Time to encourage. I'll, I'll close with this. Proverbs 3, 7, Solomon writes, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Dick Patterson are over at Edgewood. He loves his verse. If you know him at all, you've heard him say it. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Seek counsel. Know what the Bible says. Be wise. Don't be wise in your own eyes because a fool can be. 
like myself. Look at the next verse, Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in their own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Don't necessarily listen to what I say today because I'm saying jokes and some other things, but listen to the words of the Lord because the most important thing that we can do in this life is utilize our time to be on mission for him. Matthew 6, 33-34 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, each day has enough trouble of its own. I started this, listed 12 people in the Bible that, that God identifies to us as faithful. We know there's others. I can think of people that have impacted me through their writings, C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, Oswald Chambers, who have gone recently in the last century or two. But there's others that live amongst us now. There's John Piper, or Beth Moore, Max Lucado, Tony Evans. There's others that you know. I, I ask you today, are you faithful with your time? How will you be remembered? Will you, remember, will you be remembered for being on mission with your time in your life? For those listening online or this recording, your life's but a mist. For those in Edgewood, your life is but a vapor. For my friends here in front of me, your life is a puff of smoke. And we started with Luke 10. Let's look back at Luke 10, 10 closing. Luke 10, verse 42, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I pray you choose the good part, the good stuff, the right choice. I finished with this last little story. It's a story about four people. And they're sitting amongst us. I pray it's not you. There's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There's an important job the Lord wanted done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about it because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. The best use of, lo of life is love. The best expression of love is time. And the best time to love is now. Pray with me, please. Lord, I just pray... Colossians 1 over my friends and myself that we would know your will through our spiritual wisdom and understanding so we'd get plugged into the word so we would know what you would have for us. We pray, Lord, that our lives, particularly with our time, would be pleasing to you. That you would look down upon us and be pleased with how we use our time. Lord, I pray that our, good, our deeds would bear fruit because we're using our time wisely. We just pray these things through your son Jesus who has pulled us out of darkness and into the marvelous light and through his power we can abandon sins that we're destined to repeat. And thank you Lord for your redemption and your forgiveness of sins. In your name we pray, amen.